Well, hi, everybody. Um, let's see. Let me go ahead and give today's date. Today is January the 29th, 2014. And tonight I want to talk to you for a few minutes about God's power for today. If you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Okay, we're going to start reading in verse uh, 15. This is Paul uh, talking, and he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. When I was about 17 years old, I had an experience where as an adult, I made a serious commitment for God. And I knew that right off the bat that with some of the things that I was facing, I was going to need his power. And I asked my mom to pray for me. I'm like, my mom was a godly mo uh, mother, and she, you know, all my life she taught me about the things of the Spirit. And when I was rededicating, I was like, Lord, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know I need your power in my life. So she prayed for me, and right away I started speaking with other tongues. Um, I didn't have to have a sermon. I didn't have to, you know, read a lot of different books. I just trusted my mom, and she was a godly person, and um, I wanted to be like her, and she prayed in the Spirit, so I wanted to pray in the Spirit. And um, right after that happened, the first thing that ha um, I did was I got hold of a book called The Believer's Authority. And I tell you what, it was a book that it was a God ordained that I get a hold of that book. Um, in that book, the, in the first chapter, uh, Kenneth Hagin talked about this prayer, the prayer that we just read, where Paul is praying for the um, believers in Ephesus. And I think this prayer is really uh, important for us because there are different things about the passage. You know, it says here that he prayed continuously. In verse 17, he says, I keep asking. So we know that it was important to him. Um, he prayed two things, um, so that the believers would know God better and to know the hope to which they were called. And depending on the translation that you read, that can either mean that the believers are the riches of God's glorious inheritance or they're going to learn about what they have possessed, the, the idea that, um, you know, what we've inherited. And I think about the idea that when Paul is praying for these believers, he's praying for Christians. He's not praying for unbelievers. And he says that he wanted them to know what God had done for them, what God had given to them because of the cross and Jesus being raised from the dead and ascending to God's right hand. Um, 
And also, in verse 19, we've got our uh, key passage here. It says that he prayed that he wanted them to know his incomparably great power for us who believe. And uh, tonight, I want to talk to you briefly about four major ways that I believe that you and I can experience God's power for today. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is the ability, God's, the God-given ability to endure. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy We're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and starting in verse 6, Paul writing to Timothy, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And turn with me one page over to chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. In other words, he had his own discipleship program going on. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled by civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Guys, if we combine some of the ideas in in these passages, Paul told Timothy to endure hardship. And he said things like, join with me um, in suffering for for the gospel by the power of God. Um, You and I, in today's day and age, most of us don't really know what it is to be persecuted. You know, thank God, um, most of the time when I go into the pod and I start a prison service, one of the first things I'll tell the guys, thank you, Lord, that we can meet together freely in the name of Jesus. You know, in public schools nowadays, they won't let you teach the Bible. They won't let you pray. uh, But they they want you in the prisons. And, you know, thank God for that freedom. Um, You and I may not know what it is, though, to suffer direct persecution. But all of us know what it is to try to take a stand for God and then encounter resistance. And I thank God that he has made his power available to us um, so that you and I have power to endure. Um, Paul compared, well, Paul told Timothy that he wanted him to emphasize commitment. Uh, he, com- he compared his commitment to that, the idea of a soldier or, and an athlete. And I was thinking about this. He said, uh, endure hardship and... No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. There are a lot of things that you and I can be involved in. Some of them are good things. Um, I used to work in a Christian bookstore, and you know, sometimes I would just read everything on the shelf, or at least I'd want to. And um, whether it's TV, whether it's things that are not necessarily sin, I, I believe that a lot of times when you and I get serious about God, he will tell you to leave things alone. And they're not necessarily sin, but they're sin for you. And 
you know, there's something about having an attitude that I, if I'm going to be a soldier, I'm going to take this seriously. And, um, you know, that's, I think, the main idea that Paul was trying to get over to Timothy. You and I need to take the gospel seriously. Also, he mentioned an athlete. You know, athletes train most of their life, or let's say a great period of time, to compete in a race. And, the, you know, the main idea is not necessarily that they um, be first, but they want to finish. And, you know, I want to finish the race. When I think about acting as a soldier or acting as an athlete and comparing that to my Christian walk, I want to finish. Um, amen? And I know you guys do too. Um, turn with me, if you would, to Second Timothy chapter 3. Starting in verse 10, he says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So, guys, we might as well just accept it. If we're going to be serious about God, we're going to encounter resistance. Things are not always going to go our way. And that's actually the natural state of things. Turn with me, if you would, also now to Matthew. Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to read verse 22. And in verse 22 it says, You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And now turn with me to John chapter 15. Y'all are faster than me. John chapter 15, and we're going to read verse 16. This is Jesus talking, and he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. I wanted to read both of those passages and compare the ideas. Um, in the NIV, it says, he who stands firm. And I think in the New King James, it says, he who endures to the end will be saved. Um, and, you know, we want to make it our ambition to bear fruit that lasts. I think about salvation as a walk just as much as I do an experience. And I know that you guys probably do too. Um, I want to be disciplined. I want to finish what I start. And I want to be con um, consistent. A lot of times I will um, go to the prison with the guys, and when we hold a service, again, we're trying to get them to take the gospel seriously. And when we share ideas like this, a lot of times it can be really overwhelming. And I feel bad sometimes because I'm really not trying to beat the guys over the head and say, hey, you guys, you, know, you need to repent, you need to do all these things, without giving them something to hope in. And a lot of times here lately what I have been telling them is, is that you and I can take small steps. 
sometimes setting new habits. And if God is dealing with you about something, you and I need to obey him, whatever that thing is. Um, you know, sometimes maybe somebody's praying and they're like, I don't understand why God's not listening to me. And I will just simply ask them, well, what did God ask you to do last? If you'll go back and begin to uh, do that thing, no matter how small it is that God has been dealing with you about, then he'll give you more. Then he'll, be, then he'll, then he'll begin to um, speak to you in a new way. And uh, I've been, you know, something else here about a year and a half ago, Eric has been encouraging us to um, read the Bible with the daily Bible reading plan. You may have been doing it longer than that, but I mean, I started about a year and a half ago. And I tell everybody that, you know, even though I've been a Christian all my life, I had never read the Bible all the way through. And when I started the daily Bible reading plan, which was just a small step, something that I could do and, you know, discipline myself with, God really blessed it because I went from going through something that was hard, but a discipline, to where there was a hunger that rose up on the inside of me. And I tell the guys now, and you know, even in the prison, if you'll do that, you'll get to the point, hopefully, where God will make the Bible come alive to you, and you'll miss it if you don't have it. The next area I want to talk to you about is the idea that God gives you and I power in witnessing. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 1. And we're going to start, well, we're going to read verses 6 and 7. Then he gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. And this is a familiar passage to us in Matthew 6, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Um, starting in verse 10, though, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And finally, if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 12, and what I want to do is share some common ideas in these passages. Luke chapter 12, in verse 11, it says, When you were brought before synagogues, Rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. I do believe that power to witness involves performing works of power. Um, you know, I love the passage in, um, at the end of Mark that says that you and I, through the name of Jesus, have the authority to pray for the sick and, and work miracles, and I'm for that. But... I'd like to also think that one aspect of witnessing is doing the will of God in such a way that his kingdom is displayed in our daily lives. And it doesn't, you know, I'm not downplaying the idea of praying for the sake and doing the spectacular, but guys, the power of God is 
real. It's for everyday life. It's something that you and I can, can experience and be a testimony um, in everything that we do. Turn with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 31. In Exodus chapter 31, we're going to read, let's see, verses 1 through 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of, oh goodness, uh, Ahistamach of the tribe of Dan to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. And guys, the reason why I wanted to read this passage, you know, Moses, when he was setting up the um, articles of the temple and he was building things, I love the fact that he got men who were skilled, who had ability, who had training. But these were men that had the Spirit of God and the anointing on them to make the articles that became the tabernacle. And, guys, the anointing is for everyday life. Whether you are a carpenter, whether you're a singer, whether you're doing something that we would consider spiritual, or if you're just keeping the books, if you're cleaning the house, the anointing is there, and the power of God is available for you and I to make us better at what we do. And when the anointing of God is on us in real life, it can really be a testimony sometimes to people around us. You know, the Holy Spirit will show us what to say, and a lot of times we say, okay, that means that God's going to tell me how to witness and who to share Jesus with. Well, that's true, but I think it works. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will just tell me when to shut up. Um, he'll tell me when to... He'll tell me when to speak. He'll tell me what to do. And that doesn't mean that with the anointing I don't still make mistakes, but I'm better at what I do because I depend on the power of God. The next area I want to talk about is the idea that God gives you and I the power to live a godly life. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 1. And in verse 3 it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. I'm just glancing up here. I am using the NIV, but I have the newest revision. So every once in a while, um, I know it may differ a little bit from the 84. All I can say is this is what the bookstore had at the time, so this is what I'm reading from. Turn with me, if you would, also now to Romans chapter 6. The one thing I wanted to say, though, about power to live in victory, 
Jesus died so that you and I would have forgiveness and so that you and I could experience victory over sin. And I believe that that involves two things. When I explain it to people, I talk about the idea that he gives us revelation, and part of it is our action. And in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 8, we're going to read where Paul is saying, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And sometimes I'll tell people, now right here, this is the sacrifice or the suffering that Jesus paid for. You know, this is the suffering he experienced in our place. And that's something that no, not, none of us could have done. And in verse 11, it says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, you do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you may obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Romans 6.10 says that he died once for all. And, you know, once again, that's the suffering he paid for in our place. But in verse 12, it says, you and I are told not to let sin reign. That's our part, as you and I are led, and, we're, um, and we struggle to be obedient. Um, we're the ones who put, the de to put to death the misdeeds of the body, as the Spirit helps us. Um, in Galatians 5.16, it says that the flesh and the spirit are in conflict with one another. And if you would turn with me to Romans chapter 8, that way we just turn a few pages. And in verse 5, it says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Well, guys, let me ask you a question. How do you and I walk in the Spirit? I believe a big part of it is where you and I learn to fellowship with each other, to set our minds on the things that God has in mind, to read His Word, and to begin to do some things instead of thinking about the things and doing the things that we shouldn't do. I believe that's a key point that a lot of times people miss when it comes to walking in the spirit. It's not what we don't do. It's not the, it's not the not sinning that um, is what helps. It's the idea that you and I learn to replace the wrong thought, the wrong action with the things that God has put before us. You and I also, by the way, learn to replace behaviors. And that was something I, I wanted to make sure I, I let you know. You know, when somebody's saying, well, how do I not sin? Well, you learn to do whatever God tells you to do. Think about something else. Uh, read the word. Spend time with other believers. And you will find that whatever it is that you're trying not to do, it will get easier and God's power will be available. And the last thing I want to talk about is the idea that God gives you and I power in prayer. 
Turn with me, if you would, to Romans 8, verse 26. And in verse 26, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The first thing we just read here in verse 26, it says that you and I have weaknesses. But thank God that you and I can depend on God and his power to help us even in our prayer life. Um, turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 14, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Amen. And guys, how I've been taught to understand this verse, you and I have the ability to pray with our spirit and then turn around and pray with our understanding. It's two different things. One is praying in tongues, praying with the ability and the help of the Holy Spirit. The other is praying out of our mind or out of our intellect. And with that idea in mind, turn with me to Jude chapter 20. That's true. Verse 20. Thank you. Yeah, we'd be waiting a long time. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. You and I have the ability to pray in the Spirit. And like the Word says, that uh, when we do that, we build ourselves up in our most holy faith. I don't believe that it necessarily gives us faith, but it helps us to stir up the faith that is there. One of the things that I love about praying in the Spirit, and I've heard Eric mention this recently, praying in the Spirit, for me, it helps me reestablish a sense of connection with God. It's not that I'm backslidden. It's just that maybe I've had a day where I've been thinking about something else, and I don't necessarily feel connected. And I can pray in the Holy Spirit and, let's say, get reacquainted with God. You know, if I haven't talked to my wife in a while, you know, the, the best thing I can do when I see her is sit down spend time with her, ask her about her day. But the, the goal here again is, is that we're going to get reacquainted, right? The other thing about praying in the um, Spirit is you and I are led, even when we're praying in English, I think about the idea of praying for each other. One thing that I've heard Eric say recently that I'm really finding it's, it's true and I'm experiencing it, that as I'm getting to know you guys and I'm learning about your needs and I'm praying for you guys, it's like, I feel closer to you, and when God comes through for you, he comes through for me. And that's how it's supposed to be. And it's a, you know, it's a sense of connection in the body. And I love that because God will make his power available and, and help us when we pray. And I, just, I love that sense of the body ministering to the body. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 11.
And starting in verse 9, it says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Guys, I have to say this is probably my favorite verse when it comes to sharing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I think the reason for that is, is that it's not about doctrine. It's not about how many experiences you've, have you had. It's are you hungry and are you willing to ask? And, you know, sometimes I'll go in the prison and I'll say, God wants to empower you by his Holy Spirit. How much, though, are you really desiring him to do something with your life? How much do you want it? Um, they'll say, well, I've, I've prayed. I've prayed once or twice, and he didn't hear me. Well, keep praying. Keep praying, and I'll, I'll tell him, keep praying, because God wants to see how serious you really are, maybe. It's not that he's not willing. Sometimes he's testing our hearts. But I thank God that God wants us to have a, a hunger, and when that hunger's there, he will meet us by his power. Turn with me to James chapter 5. And in verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You and I can depend on the blood of Jesus to make us righteous before him and know that he, that he by his power, can enable us to pray prayers that make a difference. And, you know, that same thought again with what I just read. Confess your sins to each other. If I've done something wrong to you, I want to do my best to make it right because we want that, um, that fellowship in the body. And when our conscience is clear and you and I are moving together, I believe there's power and God will move through our prayers. Amen? Amen. Thank you. As we close, there's a couple of things that I want to echo. I love when people share and I don't know what they're going to share on. It blesses me. Did that bless you? Yes. He said when he uh, realized that Luke eleven thirteen has to do with hunger. When you really want something, no, let's, let's not put it on you. It's easier to see when it's somebody else. Have you ever had somebody call you at 8 o'clock and you didn't pick up? And they texted you from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. And then by 10 o'clock, you got another voicemail. By lunchtime, what do you think about that person? Yeah, you might even be a little bit mad, right? Because they're not going to give you a choice. Yeah? Where is our hunger? You know? When you really want something, how many text messages did you send the King of Kings? How many times did you beat on his door? When you really want something, you don't stop until you get it. Yeah. Uh, another thing Brad said that touched me. 
sharing each other's struggles. Where's Alex? Not just because he's having a poker tournament for orphans. I love that. When Alex and Haley bring home a child from outside of the United States, you know who will rejoice the loudest with them? Those who spent the most time praying for it to occur. If you let that struggle pass you by, so that when they bring the child home, it's like, oh, good, hope they send me a Christmas picture. Then you missed out on something in life. Because it is the prayer of the saints that makes those kind of things possible. Amen? Join in each other's struggles. Third thing that Brad said that touched me. I know what it is to take on tasks that feel impossible. Sometimes God sends an anointed person. Thank you, Rick, for the ACs, right? That was impossible to us, but we did it. Uh, a guy named Bill was a drug addict, but he could float sheetrock like nobody's business. An impossible task. God sent people. Other times, he simply gave us a skill that we didn't have before. And it was usually with a lot of calluses and a lot of hard work, but he did give it. When the brother speaks of Bezalel and Oliab, these men made it into the second book of the Bible. They made it into the Constitution of Israel and go down in history as the men who actually built the dwelling place for God's name. Now, you may not just jump up and down with the name Oliab or Bezalel, but if you step off of a plane in Israel and ask any Jew who Bezalel or Oliab is, they smile and get excited. They're national heroes. And what is it that they could do? They were anointed of God to do what they did. To do whatever they do. God's anointing is on you for a purpose. We need to find out what that is and get in it. Amen? Last thing, would you put Micah 3.8 on the screen? So, if I'm not mistaken, Brad's message was about power. Yeah? Could you say this? But as for me, I am filled with power. Could you say that with a straight face? Because if you can't, then the brother's just given you four specific ways that you can gain the power of the Spirit in your life. If you don't have those written down and you're not meditating on them, if you don't have power, it's not because it wasn't made available. And it's not because you weren't encouraged to get it. It's because you didn't value it. Right? So we're moving. We got a list of phone numbers to call. And they took a snow day off in Houston. And then you need something notarized to turn on your water. Like, like you're trying to break into the National Archives. But I want water. So if I have to stand on my head and walk on my hands, then I'm going to do it because I want the water. How bad do you want the things of God? Right. Now, he mentioned one last thing, and we really are closing right here. He mentioned the book, The Believer's Authority in Christ. I'm not going to lie. I don't know what to think about some of the things Kenneth Hagin said. And I love that book. I think it's in our library.
and it's out of print. So the ones that are in our library are precious. Read them. If you're lucky enough to get one of the first copies, you will have a whole little Eric Stevens discussion about is he right or not in the commentary or in the columns. But in the end, he was right about almost everything, right? To know who you are in Christ and what you have is, it's important. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord and with justice and might. Two, now for Micah, it's to declare to Jacob his transgression. For you, what is it? Well, only you can answer that. But what did he fill you with his spirit for? Amen? Could y'all stand your feet?